Growler Media presents Joe vs. the Minute. Hello and welcome back to Joe vs. the Minute, where we are taking you through the typhoon and to the volcano one minute at a time. I'm Jarf. I am cautiously optimistic with that description, Tierney. And I am special guest star Carol Pinchevsky. <laughs> are a special guest star. I love it. <laughs> you are a special guest star and and it's Friday, so it's a special day. I've got my Big Wave Golden Ale from Kona Brewing Company, the official beer of Joe versus the Minute. <laughs> my husband really likes that one. Nice. It's a good beer. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. And you know what else is nice? We're talking about Minute 69. Woo-hoo. There I said it, Tierney, so you don't have to. Thank you. I except I said it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I cannot control it. It must be said. It must be commented upon every time. This is not a nice minute. Uh, except it totally is because this is the it's my boat minute. <laughs> oh, let's just say it's my boat for 20 minutes and call it a day, shall we? No, I'm just kidding. That'd be a terrible <laughs> podcast episode. I'm sorry I even said that out loud. <laughs> right. All right, I'm going to pull the rope back in. So, <laughs> All right, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so this minute starts with Joe checking to see if Dagmar is okay in the engine room. And it ends with a wave crashing over the side of the Tweedledee. So we, we're in full typhoon seafaring drama right now. And the theme is really picking up and... and Patricia's hero's journey is really (laughs) reaching its apex. And I I wanted to return to an interesting theory from previous guest and friend of the show, James. So his speculation is that that moment that Tierney teased where Patricia says, it's my boat, that's the moment where Joe really falls for Patricia. Interesting. More than just like, I'd like to make out with this woman. Oh, darn, I didn't get to make out with this woman, but but is really like woused by her. But in the minute before me, he is kind of, you know, he's flirting with her. Isn't that more of a, a romantic moment or a moment where he thinks he could be with her? Well, he, uh, uh, we are here in minute 69. There are many ways of being with people. Oh, <laughs> indeed. Indeed. <laughs> okay. There is that. Yes, but he definitely, he sees her in a different way after he, and if you think about where he is and his dream that we talked about on Wednesday. I'm really glad you said that before we got to this minute, because it did color how I saw this minute. Right? So his dream is to be a hero, and what does he see Patricia doing? And Dagmar says, your job now. Dagmar, like, knights him. Like, your job is to take care of Patricia. I'm going to stay with this. Take care of Patricia. And it's so dramatic, like that pause before she says it. And he immediately is like, Okay, and runs back. Like, this is Joe's mission now. He is, his job is to take care of Patricia. That's all he has to do. I'm glad that you called out that moment because I thought it was incredible. And I think it shows why Amanda Plummer is so special because she can appear so loony, but then have that one moment where she looks Tom Hanks right in the eye and says, take care of Patricia. And she's she's been aloof and she's been cool and she's been kooky and zany, but 
she's never she's never Jim Carrey in the nineties. <laughs> but but when the look of intensity of take care of Patricia for me, I'm wondering, do Patricia and Dagmar have a thing going? I. So the way she says take care of Patricia, you know Dagmar and Patricia have a whole relationship that we don't know about. That right. we just have to imagine. I love that. Right. Yeah. I do not want them to make a prequel of Dagmar <laughs> and Patricia, but they could. They could. There's more to go on here than there was in Star Wars. <laughs> We fought in the Clone Wars together. Okay, fine. Look at her (laughs) eyes. There is a story here. I'm thinking that Dagmar is in love with her, but Patricia is either straight or straight leaning. I think that's what's going on. And there's also the dynamic where... She the employer, works. employee, employer. Right. Oh my god. Oh my god. We have to write the prequel now. We have to because <laughs> clearly Dagmar is not that much older than her, and so she would have, as an adult, come to work on this boat. Patricia is already an adult, but she's the daughter of your employer. That's weird. So like, right. she just has a crush on her, but then they get to know each other. Right. And do you think? Oh god. Let's just wrench some hearts out. Do you think maybe there was a moment where they tried and Patricia just realized she's straight? Yeah, or straight leaning, yeah. Because, yeah. because, and she loves Dagmar. She just doesn't love Dagmar like that. Exactly. Because later, oh. because later, the first thing, she, well, not later, the first thing, but one of, one of the things she, she says is, how's Dagmar? How's Dagmar? So, yeah, there's- In an emergency, go check on Dagmar. After an emergency, where's Dagmar? Right, <gasps> right, right, right. Oh, God. I think it could be a shipboard romance, but definitely That's a doomed ma- that one. That makes us all much sadder. Yes, exactly. Yes. Keep going, Carol. Because it's doomed. Oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry it to is. doom this romance. I do love that I like to doom it before and after where I'm like, I want the doom of it of this person just, it like can't love her the way she needs sort yes, of thing. Like I exactly. have to add that extra sadness, which we don't, is not canon. We, you can imagine whatever you want. If you want to imagine passionate shipboard sex before Joe shows up, that's fine. The, one of my favorite jokes in The Good Place was uh, Eleanor. I don't remember what the setup was, but Eleanor says to Chidi, oh, so you're bisexual. And he goes, what? No. And she goes, why not? More men should be. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, Patricia and Dagmar both appear to be women. But, you know, like, there's that little bit like, there should be more bisexuality in the world. Dang it. But I do love that, like, unrequited romance aspect of it of like, no, she she loves Dagmar. She just can't love Dagmar. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that is that is exactly how I envision that relationship that that of course Patricia, you know, respects her, cares for her. They're they're companions, they work well together, but she just isn't in love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's a lot to read into for a few lines, but I think it's the intensity. I think it's there. I think it's there to the, be read in. Amanda, I think it's Amanda Plummer's intensity in delivering that line that really, oh. really said it for me. <laughs> Amanda Plummer intensity. <laughs> yeah. Dagmar and Patricia. Yep. Yeah. I ship it. Dagtisha. <laughs> Pagmar. No, Pagmar is better. I like it. Yeah. Pagmar. 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 That sounds Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> and I just did a little dance with my hands in the air that is very like the, um, oh, I can't remember the aliens' names from Rise of Skywalker when they go to their party. 
they go to the fest, the planet that's yeah. having a festival. Right, right, right. And you yes. see people doing the dance, and I just right. realized what I was doing was very similar. The the forty two year old festival, the, yes. the festival that takes place every forty two years. Right, yes. right, right. Why not? Yeah, and Ray right? is just, it, it, she's just got the biggest smile on her face because it's just the most colorful and beautiful thing she's ever seen. And now all we have to do is reference Rise of Skywalker. Minute. Star all right, Wars so we minute. love Amanda Plummer's intensity. We love Daisy Ridley's smile. <laughs> do we love Patricia's do as I say, not as I do? I mean, she well, maybe she was trying to keep calm so Tom Hanks wouldn't panic. I mean, uh, Joe wouldn't panic. So in this minute, we see her slam her radio in frustration and then go out on the deck, which she explicitly said not to do. Yeah, but I mean, again, to to call back to the previous minute, she should be a lot more upset than just slapping the wall in frustration. No, she should be like rage punching things. I love the idea that this is Meg Ryan mad, actually. (laughs) Like Meg Ryan slapping the wall is the most she can do. Obviously, as you have proved, it is not. She has been in other roles that prove she can do more. But I just love like rom-com Meg Ryan slapping the wall is as violent as it gets. Yeah, this is rom-com Meg at peak. It's not even peak rom-com. You know, she she just keeps getting better and better. I had some questions about Joe's actions after he gets his marching orders from Dagmar. So he's in the cabin with Patricia and Mike peeks down through the little door and you can see the storm raging from above And he says, the main boon doesn't look secure. And Joe all but shoves him back out onto the deck and Mm -hmm. closes and locks the door behind him. So I guess this is like Dagmar told me that I've got to protect protect Patricia. Patricia. Mm -hmm. Hard to say. And But is he just leaving those dudes on the deck to die? (laughs) No, I I thought of him Mm. as doing something like well shouldn't i be doing something to help i saw that as being helpful i it's helpful to him it's helpful (laughs) yeah i mean on the one hand you do want that door latched whenever someone isn't in it i do like your like looks like he almost pushes them back out (laughs) but yeah you do wonder he turns around and looks at patricia and she's already got the rope what was You do wonder what his next move would have been if he hadn't turned around and she's in full. God, she's so in firefighter mode. I'd be, I'd be quivering. (laughs) Oh my God, she is in firefighter mode. Yeah, you're right. I thought of that so much. So she's wearing the slicker. Okay. Makes perfect sense. She has the rope around her. Like the hose. Like the hose. And then when you see her climb out of the hatch, because it is that little door, you know, right as you come up on deck and you have to keep, she's keeping low. She's holding the rope to keep her, like, it is so firefighter. And it just, my heart grew three times for Joe and Patricia. I think she looked like Paddington Bear. (laughs) Yeah, the hat really does. It is a... It's very hard to take someone in this look seriously, but she is very serious herself. So when I think his name is Mike, he comes down and says the main boom isn't secure. Joe just secured it two minutes ago. Well, actually, Joe wasn't securing. I I do have to give him some credit. Joe wasn't securing the boom. He was tying the sail onto it. Oh, right. Okay. And so the sail is tied down. 
and the boom was tied at the end. Right. And it has come loose. And we and I love that you pointed out we saw it getting looser. <laughs> and the foreshadowing, the previous oh. minute foreshadowing just pays off in this minute, in minute 69. But um I looked this up. Do you know that booms are the second most common cause of death on sailboats? Because they whack ya. Yes. They wait. S- what's the first most common? I don't know. I looked it up and I couldn't find it. I assume it's either capsizing or falling overboard. But booms cause death not just from not just from sweeping off the ship. They hit you on the head, and when they flail, they create tripping hazards. So that's yeah, why I could see that. That's why booms are so this so well, second even second if they most don't dangerous. Knock you off the boat, they could give you a concussion real easy. Like it does right. not have to be this big a boat for you to get whacked by the boom and oh, yeah, need yeah. the hospital. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, not just a concussion. I, I could I could get more graphic if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had to duck, and it's real scary. <laughs> right. I found an academic article that said acute myocardial infarction is the most frequent cause of death On- by disease at sea. Okay. That's that's a heart attack. That's just a heart attack, essentially. What did the boat do? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, I can tell you the rocking is quite nauseating for some people. And, you know, I, I think a percentage of people don't get used to it. I don't know what that yeah, percentage that's... is. But I mean, I, I feel very seasick. And then it normalizes, then my stomach normalizes. But, you know, maybe maybe that's, maybe it's a trigger. Yeah, it says work-related injuries or accidents are half the number of fatal cases. Yeah, so you would think it would be drowning, but it's just, it's it's physical exertion. It's hard and sadly heart attack, heart disease is so common. It, right. it, ma- it, it makes sense that if we're just looking statistically, that's going to oh, be Oh, right, because people are doing heavy manual labor. Right, exactly. Oh, right. So they, they die of essentially overworking themselves, sort of. Hmm. Yeah. So eat right, listeners. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, my father's a fisherman, and he's been out on boats in the in the deep water. And from the description he's given me, this ship really should be rocking more. I mean, like the way if you are in a typhoon or near typhoon, your ship should be flinging itself up and down, and everybody on the ship should be slammed to the ceiling, then slammed back down on the floor. I Aye. think. Yeah, I th- that's. When they show the model <laughs> in the wave pool, <laughs> it looks a lot more like I would expect this storm to look. And then it shows them inside the cabin and they're both standing on their feet having a conversation. It's like, I don't know about that so much. I wondered, obviously the boom being loose would be bad because it could flail around. It would be out of control. I'm trying to think. The sails are down. There's just the two of them trying to keep them into the wind. Their only job, as far as I can tell, is to keep the boat upright at this point. And they're still trying to keep going so that they can get out of the typhoon. Could you just let the boom do what it wants? Or would that throw... I guess maybe it would throw the weight, uh, the balance of the boat off? I think if it's flailing... Would that be the problem? I think if it's flailing, perhaps it's at risk for breaking off. Ah, okay. That's the, that's that the only, does make sense. Yeah. I'm just okay. thinking out loud here. I, yeah. I don't know for certain. Welcome to nautical speculations. <laughs> exactly. It's the podcast where we guess what happens when you're on a boat. Like, for example, the guys are steering. Shouldn't they tie the steering wheel with ropes to keep the boat from flailing and actually help with the boom? 
don't they need to adjust to uh with the waves you don't want to ever take a wave straight on like oh they still need to do some steering they right. can't just tie it off a la dracula and go straight <laughs> i was thinking of dracula too. it also just looks more dramatic to have them at that big old-timey wheel uh-huh. and it, it, that's it, true it, it looks like the beginning credits of gilligan's island with gilligan <laughs> and the skipper i thought you were gonna say care bears movie too <laughs> I'm never going to say Care Bears movie, so just just give it up. You just did. You just did. I'm never going to reference. That will never be the reference you're going for. Right, exactly. (laughs) All right, I can live with that. I can live with that. I will just live in the joy that is Patricia's hero moment, because I don't know if this is the moment Joe falls in love with her, but I can tell you for sure this is the moment I fell in love with her. Right? (laughs) I enjoy sassy, well-dressed Patricia. I enjoy, I even enjoy soul-sick Patricia. I enjoy fishing Patricia, but <laughs> hot damn when she says, it's my boat. It's technically not. She hasn't earned it yet. Mm-hmm. She has to actually get Joe to Waponi Woo. So it's not technically her boat. Ha ha ha. Well, you have to you have to see through to the end, right? Because right now she's the captain, so technically it's her boat because she's yeah, captaining, yeah. right? She okay. is in charge, and by God, she is going to do everything she can. And I think all that business that they had Joe do, locking up that little door and pushing Mike out to his death. And, and- <laughs> I think that was just to set up the contrast because mm-hmm. all of his business is, well, we are absolutely positively not going out there, close the door, <laughs> and then he turns around to see Hero Patricia like, oh, I'm going out there. Uh-huh. You know why? Because it's my boat. <laughs> and I'm going to look kind of like a firefighter while I do. <laughs> but then what happens? She crawls out onto the deck and he follows, even though she said, even though she said, stay put, <laughs> don't go nowhere, <laughs> don't touch nothing. <laughs> I do love that, actually, like, I was told to look after you. I can do nothing in this situation and I am not prepared for it. But by God, I am keeping you within eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> so they climb aboard the, the deck, they're on the deck. Is that Joe grabbing the boom? Because I see a shadowy figure on the boom. I don't, wait. Does it cut back to the boom? Oh, at the very, very end. Right. Um, because I don't think he's supposed to be out that far yet. Maybe so who- it is Mike or the other guy. No, it's definitely Joe. It's yeah. definitely Joe. Because yep. who else could it be? And why isn't it Patricia? Is he rescuing her? Hmm. He's supposed to look like he's looking at Patricia ahead of him, but that doesn't make sense for where they came out. Right. And the boom. Yep. I think I'm going to have to watch Minute 70, guys. I think it's a editing slip. These things happen. These things happen. Not if not if editor Jarf is on the job. He's <laughs> a different editor. <laughs> the, the film editor, I meant. I love that we just decided you have a new career now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Hey, I wouldn't be the first one to find career direction from this podcast, would Woo! I? <laughs> is that, Tierney, is that how you found career direction? That is... 
It is really funny to go back and listen to the early episodes before I had decided to leave my librarian job and become a writer. And because I recorded them before the idea even occurred to me. Mm. And then they were coming out when the podcast started right around the time I was starting to think like, oh, wait a minute. I wonder if I could do this. And then figuring out like, okay, how would I do this? And then like making the decision and giving my notice. And right as those episodes were coming out of me being like, Joe's job is so horrible, but sometimes you just got to sell your soul because after (laughs) all, don't you have to have a paycheck? And I was just like, oh, I've got two more weeks to go. I can't tell anyone yet. (laughs) In other words, once upon a time, there was a woman (laughs) named Tierney who had a very lousy job. That maybe someone else will, like, I'm sure someone, whoever they hire to replace me, will like it better because I assume they will be someone who goes into it wanting to do that job because it's not that the job itself is inherently lousy, but it was lousy for me. Right, right, right. And once you realize that, it's just not a good time. Well, certainly it is the perfect job for some people. I mean, library work. Woohoo. So I will probably end up being a librarian again someday, but I'm just going to look for like, you know, part-time public library stuff. Like that's, that's really more my library jam. And so you have the podcast to thank for that? Wow. I, uh, well, I definitely have a podcast to thank for that because I don't know that I would have been brave enough to make this leap. And, you know, my occupation is librarian slash podcaster. That's what I do for my job now, guys. Hi. Whoa. <laughs> so Whoa. I, I'm publishing. I, and there are plenty of people who publish books and do podcasts and still work a nine to five job and bless them. It's just not me. Right. <laughs> Right, right, right. I remember reading about Toni Morrison saying how she wrote her first book, like she would wake up at 4am and write until it was time to like go to work. And you know, it's like, oh, she has this really beautiful quote about how like she wrote on stolen hours. Wow. Wow. And it's great. Except I, I cannot wake up at 4am and write before work. Yeah. No, it just does not work. I tried. It's bad. (laughs) Right, right. Some, some people are just, they're kind of (laughs) crazy. Everyone's different. Everyone's different. Indeed. Who knows? I couldn't be in charge of sailing this ship across the Pacific Ocean. And I can't wake up at four in the morning to write. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You just, you gotta find what works for you. I I am a professional writer and I wouldn't be doing that. (laughs) Yeah. Trying to do these podcasts and work a full-time job was not sustainable. And so now I am devoting myself to my craft. That sounds so pretentious, but it's true. Um, (laughs) So yeah, so I I write, I do podcasts, and I do kind of have Joe versus the Volcano to thank for that because it was while recording these episodes and looking at Joe that I realized what I wanted to be doing and that I wanted to be brave. You need to reach out to the writer of Joe versus the Volcano and tell him this and tell him, by the way, I have you to thank for my career. Also, my podcast co-host has notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't bring that up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I listen to your podcasts. <laughs> you, you tell that jarf. That's okay. If there is an afterlife and my co-host from Mashment and I ever end up in the same place as Robert Altman, 
we are going to have to have words because I'm sure he will be very upset with us. (laughs) (laughs) You think we have notes for John Patrick Shanley? Oh, did we have critiques for Robert Altman? (laughs) Anyway, Robert Altman had nothing to do with the movie Joe versus Volcano. (laughs) And I didn't have any more snarky critique of John Patrick Shanley's writing (laughs) for this particular minute. What about either of you? The rest of the minute? No, I, I think I'm good. I think uh, I think this minute was a strong one. It had a lot of good points. A lot of, you know, a lot of white space in terms of the storm. But other than that, yeah, I'm satisfied. Carol, did you want to give us another Fairy Tale Friday recommendation? <laughs> sure, sure. One of my favorite fairy tales is from J.R.R. Tolkien. He wrote a short story, or perhaps it was a novelette, called The Smith of Wooten Major. Have either of you heard of it? I have heard of it. I'm trying to remember if I've read that one. I feel like I must not have. I would remember it Mm -hmm. more if I did. Jarf, have you heard of it? I have not read it. I'm a fan of Tolkien's concepts, but I'm not a huge fan of actually reading Tolkien. And this is perfect for you because when people are daunted by Lord of the Rings, I tell them to read The Hobbit. But when people are daunted by The Hobbit, I tell them to read Smith of Wooten Major. It, it really is, you know, a short story. And, and so you can get a sense of his writing and a sense of his, his work just from this. It's kind of like when people don't want to read Game of Thrones slash A Song of Ice and Fire, I tell people to read George R. R. Martin's Sand Kings. So this is the same thing. It's it's basically the style and the feel of the writer, but in a much more compressed tale. Uh, Smith of Wooten Major is about a village. Once every 24 years, there is a, a feast for good children, and a great cake is made by the master cook and 24 children are honored. It starts off with the master cook leaving the village, coming back briefly, bringing an apprentice, a young boy named Alf, and then leaving Wait, again. Hmm? the young boy's named Alf? Alf, yep, A-L-F. But everyone just calls him apprentice. Okay. But he's too young to make the great cake, so another master cook is chosen. He's lazy and, you know, very untalented. So Apprentice does all the work for him. And when he's making the great cake, he puts a metallic star into it. And the metallic star is swallowed by a young boy named Smith. And the star comes from the land of fairy, which is why this is a fairy tale. And the star becomes his passport. Uh, He travels back and forth from the realm of fairy to the realm of men, Wooten Major. And I wrote, it is a sweet, simple tale with a good heart. And it's about, you know, this boy who becomes a man, Smith, and his experience in fairy. And then returning from fairy and then what happens when it's time for the uh, the new cake to be made what happens to the star so nice upstanding lad gets himself some edibles and <laughs> goes a little wild it, it's Dig. done it is minute 69 we gotta make <laughs> everything no, no, no. inappropriate but he has onboarded his wife and children like yeah i'm going to the land of fairy back later <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a really good story. I highly recommend it. It's called Smith of Wooten Major, and it's written by J.R.R. Tolkien of Lord of the Rings slash The Hobbit fame. Nice recommendation. Thank you very much. I like that we haven't had a lot of overlap or any overlap, I'm trying to think, between pe- what people have I think the only thing that's come up more than once is The Princess Bride. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a great fairy tale. I'd be annoyed I hadn't thought of it first, but I really do love Smith of Wooten Major and previously the story of Persephone. So that's great. The Princess Bride, what a good, what a good book. And uh, the book is better than the film. Oh, I love the book too. Yeah. yeah. I even brought the the screenplay. Sorry, um, I think it, what was it called? How to Write a Screenplay? Uh, William Goldman wrote one of uh, Hollywood's seminal yes. books on screenplay writing. Yes, I don't remember what it's called either. Oh, so good. I never owned that one. He's but. such a talent. But such a talent is uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> That's true. Oh, man. I'm actually, as we're recording, I'm about to guest on uh, Lord of the Rings Minute. Really? About Return of the King. And so I was like, oh, I just really want to rewatch all of Return of the King. And then uh, now I'm like, oh, I just want to watch The Princess Bride this weekend. I was like, do I just need to have a movie weekend? You do. And you need to see Meg Ryan's movie, Flesh and Bone, but only <laughs> only with the lights on. <laughs> I was going to say, that does not thematically feel like it fits, no, but sure. <laughs> yeah, it does not. It does not. But you'll be happy <laughs> at the end, because at least your life will be better than that. <laughs> but you, yeah. need to, you need to see The Fisher King. Love The Fisher King. That is, yes, I would say that kind of fits. That fits. Okay. It does have some darkness, but... And it is set in the present, but it, it has references to the legend of The Fisher King, which is a medieval tale. Carol, do you want to remind our listeners where they can find you online? You can find me at Carol Pinchewski. Pin like the needle, chef like the cook, sky like the thing above you. I'm on Twitter. I am going to be taking a Facebook break, so get me while you can. Uh, LinkedIn, oh, carolpinchewski.com, and uh, many places where social media is sold. (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. And listeners, if you are inspired by Tierney's journey, then I encourage you to support her Patreon, which is on Patreon. Patreon at One Steel Sister, S T W E L E Sister. Does that that's right, right, Tierney? Yep. One spelled out. One spelled out. Yes. Yeah. Hang on. I can do it. O N E S T E L E S A S T E R. Ooh. Beautiful. Not that I've had to spell it a few times in my life. <laughs> but yeah, that's my Twitter, Instagram handle, website.com, Patreon, all the good stuff. See, that's the way to do it if you're legit like Tyranny. I'm on Instagram as Jarf Harden. I'm on Twitter as at Inspector Flora. And then I'm on Facebook as Jeffrey Harden because some people call me by my real name, Jeffrey. So I'm really proud I have trained my phone, though, to know that I mean Jeffrey when I write Jar. Like, I just write Jar for everything. And it's just like, do you mean Jeffrey Harden? I'm like, yes, I do. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Your phone is smarter than I am. Woohoo. It's the little things. <laughs> and yes, it probably is. So at least it can be helpful <laughs> before it makes me obsolete. Yes. <laughs> well, now you know where you can follow all of us and you can follow our show at Joe versus Minute and interact with fellow fans in our Joe versus a Minute listeners luggage raft on Facebook. And we still have more of the typhoon coming next week and i was gonna say who thought this was the end of the movie (laughs) i know right who knows what will happen with our heroes they could be they could be in terrible danger (laughs) well we'll be back on monday for minute 70 and we're so sorry to leave you on this cliffhanger but you'll just have to wait the weekend uh, and uh, come back uh, with us for some more thank you so much for joining us 
Where to now, Tierney? I'm not sorry we're leaving them on a cliffhanger. I was so sure you were going to say something about the Care Bears. <laughs> Long live Pagmar! <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to go when the volcano blows. Let me say now I don't know. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.